November 8, 1961, the Fantastic Four spring to action as a team for the first time. As they learn how to control their newfound powers, will it be enough to stop the fury of the Mole Man? Welcome, true believers, to It Started on Yancey Street, a Fantastic Four podcast. Thank you, everyone, for checking this podcast out. I know it's kind of out of left field and on a subject that not many people uh, might be familiar with. Uh, And that's what kind of started this idea for the podcast. My history with the Fantastic Four only recently began about a year and a half ago when I read Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. And when I say that it changed my my outlook completely on comic books, that would be an understatement. It was by far the greatest piece of sci-fi within Marvel that I'd ever read at the time. So I then went back and I started reading older and older Fantastic Four stories, a team that I had overlooked for the majority of my life. And I realized that hidden inside these omnibuses and paperbacks were some of the greatest stories ever written. And I decided to spread the wealth, share the knowledge, and spread the word of doom, especially, to anyone who's interested. Or if you just need something to listen to in the background, this is perfect for that too. Today's episode is going to start only with issue one. I want to give you a bite-sized piece of Fantastic Four just to get your toes wet. But the more we go on and the longer this podcast continues, I'll probably review more issues at once. Also, these earlier issues kind of had like three or four little stories packed into one book, so it would take a little bit of time to dissect all of them. But we opened this comic, this issue, I should say, page one, introducing Dr. Reed Richards, Ben Grimm, Susan Storm, and Johnny Storm. And written in the clouds, it says, The Fantastic Four. Right off the bat, you can just tell these Kirby pencils and colors are prominent. You have purples, you have yellows. You have orange shading and like red silhouettes. It's really cool. Into the fray of it all. It just says, above all, the hubbub and excitement, one strange figure holds still a smoking flare gun. One strange man who is somehow more than just a man, for he is the leader of the Fantastic Four! Exclamation point. And there in the window is Reed Richards holding a smoking flare. The issue kind of jumps straight into it at first. You see Susan on the following page holding a cup of tea and then immediately going invisible and leaving the room with her friend starting to scream, Susan, she, she's gone, but where, but how? And you gotta love that banter of old comics. Rush past men and women who were shopping and they're all exclaiming they've seen a ghost and hops into a cab and a floating $20 bill goes in front of the cab driver and he is startled to say the least. The whole panel is red. The scene quickly changes to a department store where a giant thing is in a trench coat and a fedora trying on jackets and he suddenly has to leave and the man who is tailoring him kind of catches a glimpse of his rock formation and he bursts through the doors exclaiming, why must they build doorways so narrow? And of course people don't take well to that and they're screaming monster and the police draw their weapons and the thing has to yank a manhole out of the street and dive into the sewers just to get rid of it all. I mean, they don't know he's a good guy yet, but minutes later, the police riot squad reaches the seat, and they're like, no one's here, where'd everybody go? And uh, they don't know how to explain it. They just know that something weird's happening in Central City. And the final introduction happens when Johnny has to flame on and leave his uh, mechanic shop and head home. And on the way, a rocket is fired at him from a jet, to which Reed Richards catches it, throws it in the water, and saves Johnny from falling. And instead of 
you know, announcing who they are. It's kind of all draped in mystery right now. And there's a panel here that says, in fact, who are all four of these strange and astonishing humans? How did they become what they are? What mystic quirk of fate brought them together to form the awe-inspiring group known as the Fantastic Four? First named right there. And then it kind of does a Tarantino, and it goes back in time a little bit, and it shows the time-old origin story of them ascending into the heavens in their rocket and how everything was going smoothly, and they were flying higher and higher like a silver bullet, roars of a sleek spacecraft. And this is where it starts to get a little bit more distorted to a lot of people who don't know. Uh, it's They're flying into space, and there's cosmic rays. Obviously, you know, back then things weren't... They had, there hadn't been the first flight to the moon yet, so, you know, kind of space has always been a mystery. But these, you know, volatile cosmic rays kind of permeated through their spaceship... And from there is when they all essentially get, you know, their powers. Uh, I want to say that they all get their poisoned, but, you know, it was kind of a positive thing to happen to them back then. But <laughs> the rocket kind of goes straight up and then essentially does a U-turn, comes right back down. And as it's descending, you have a caption here that says, At that moment, the powerful ship's automatic pilot took over, managed to return the sleek rocket safely to Earth in a rough but non-fatal landing. They had to throw that out there. And a lot of the banter here in the 60s comics is so straightforward. They had to be super descriptive. Like, I'm sure they were getting paid by the word. Uh, but a lot of it is very, doesn't leave a lot of guessing to you. You know, they flew up. They flew down. They went in. They went out. It's all very, like, it's all a statement, essentially. Anyways, as they're returning, uh, Reed looks at Sue and goes, you know, I'm glad we're all alive. And, uh, sorry, you know, Sue's like, I'm sorry, your experiment failed. And as they're walking away from the crash, Susan is the first to say, you know, I feel strange. And they all look at her and half her body is invisible. So there you go. The invisible woman turns completely invisible in front of all of them. And then Ben seems to point a finger at her, which I think might be a little bit of an artistic error, unless that's supposed to be his glove. But it looks like he's pointing with a hand that's already been turning into the thing. And, you know, his transformation isn't that pleasant, and he immediately gets so angry that he's a giant rock thing and rips a tree out of the ground and swings it at Reed, you know, for causing it. Kind of, uh, you're to blame, and he's taking his frustrations out, and Reed goes to dodge the swing, and his elasticity comes out, and his torso falls back while his head and legs remain in place. So immediately, you know, he's as mad as anyone would be if that would happen to him. And Reed wraps him around in his elastic arms and Johnny Storm gets uh, super gets super into it super upset and he's he's saying you've turned us into monsters you've both turned into monsters both of you it's those rays those terrible cosmic rays and as he's speaking he's turning into the human torch and he says I'm lighter than air look I can fly I can fly which kind of proves to Johnny's character a lot because he's kind of the more uh, like humorous one kind of the more laid back of them all. So he kind of take, took it all in stride and flew away and, and found the positives in it. So once uh, the Human Torch lands, they all kind of look at each other, and Reed makes an announcement to everyone saying, you know, we've all got these amazing powers now. We have more power than any human has ever possessed. And the thing kind of looks at him and says, you don't have to give us a giant speech but I like what he says next. He says, we understand we've got to use our power to help mankind, right? Right, Ben. And kind of, 
I don't know, it seems very like old school, but they all kind of put their hands in and they're naming themselves. I'm calling myself the Human Torch. And uh, he goes, yeah, same for me. I'm the Invisible Girl. And then Reed is saying, you know, there's only one person missing. And he says, I ain't Ben anymore. I'm what Susan called me, the thing. And he's like, yeah, I'll just call myself Mr. Fantastic. And the next panel is all of them kind of circling back to the first little story within this issue of all of them in their building. And it says, and so was born the Fantastic Four. And from that moment on, the world would never again be the same. So that was your little origin story. And now, like I said, there's a little story within the issue and in the first panel is the Human Torch, you know, blazing through the sky. And the caption says, The Fantastic Four meet the Mole Man, which is an iconic villain in the Fantastic Four rogues gallery. And we have the first real big battle here. Now, the Mole Man interaction happens because Reed shows the Fantastic Four uh, a sinkhole that happened at a radiation plant. And he provides them more and more photos of radiation sinkholes happening all around the world. And he says here, wait, according to the steady pulse in my uh, radar machine, another cave-in is about to take place. And we fast forward to the same thing happening. Kind of a uh, security guard feels the rumble and him and his pals back off as their entire like facility falls inside of the sinkhole. And from the sinkhole, you see two giant claws. Uh, and it says... It is a gigantic pair of claws like the which have never been seen on Earth or any planet in the universe. It is unbelievable and staggering, but real. And the men begin firing at it, and the caption again says, Artillery, of what use is artillery against a creature whose hide is powerful enough to dig its way through countless tons of rock-hard Earth? Artillery, of what use is artillery against a monster who can crush a heavy tank with one hand? But just as it seems that nothing in the world will halt the nightmare menace, the shrill sound of a commanding voice is heard, and the Goliath stops in his track. And I'm sure you guessed it, it's the Mole Man. And he screams at his Goliath, saying, Enough! Return to Earth's core. Our mission here is finished. And yeah, it kind of shows that the Goliath had a master. It was the Mole Man. And they get in their Fantastic Four jet, kind of zip their way over there. And it says... They find out that you know they find out the island they're on. They they are seeing these monsters inside of a cave, thinking that it's a sinkhole, and suddenly a living three-headed nightmare hurls itself at them from over the edge of the peak of Monster Isle, and they get into a very classic, very old-school Fantastic Four battle. Uh, Sue goes invisible to avoid getting eaten by this like Hydra-esque dragon, uh, while Reed launches his arm like a lasso, grabbing the dragon by the neck and slamming it into the ocean. Uh, as it happens, though, the island that they're on begins to crumble and they fall through. So Mr. Fantastic and the Human Torch are now falling through this sinkhole to where Reed fashions himself into a human parachute gliding uh, the Human Torch down, and they land, and it's pitch black. They can't see anything around them. But the Human Torch ends up finding a door like a trap door. He could have just flamed on and kind of been a torch for them, but he finds like a trap door and when they open it, they're suddenly blinded and it says that it might have been incapacitated because it might have been minutes or hours later uh, when the two men regain their senses only to find themselves garbed in strange adhesive type suits which protect them from the blinding unearthly glow. So they wake up and they're in these blue fashioned hazmat suits. They don't know where they are 
why they're in them, who dressed them, and they hear a voice speaking to them saying, oh, so have you recovered it, have you? It's about time. And they're like, who are you? Where are we? What's going on? And as they look over, they see a sea of glowing crystals. And the old man lets them know, the reason you cannot see is that you're truly blinded from the glare of the Valley of Diamonds. And it's a beautiful page, beautiful spread, such simple pencils, but the, it's the colors of the of the of the artwork that really give it pop because the ground is a shaded orange, and in contrast, the Human Torch and Mister Fantastic are kind of black and red, kind of just a very thick tone. And in contrast to both that, the next panel it's the Mole Man looking through his glasses at the Valley of Diamonds, but he's kind of in an all yellowish green, and his background is a very deep purple, and it's crazy how both of these images kind of show you the same meaning of that they're being blinded by so many diamonds in Earth's core. And the moment gives himself an introduction, and again, we go on to the third installment within issue number one called The Moment's Secret. Now, it's a different perspective because Mr. Fantastic and the Human Torch are in the Valley of Diamonds. It left Sue and the Thing on Monster Isle or on the surface of Monster Isle kind of out of the picture so now we're getting a different perspective of what's happening with them and sue comes to consciousness she's half visible behind her looming is the second guardian of monster isle to which the thing sees yanks his jacket off and just begins you know pummeling him clobbering time really and he you know ben beats him obviously sue's like you've done it and ben's like what did you expect as he launches him from monster isle into the ocean and now they're going to go find Reed and the Human Torch. And they're really, there's really not that much banter because as soon as, you know, Ben says, let's go find your skinny boyfriend, it goes right back to Reed and Johnny. It says, and what of Reed Richards and Sue's brother Johnny, we again descend to the depths of Monster Isle where we find them confronted by the strangest menace of all, the Mole Man. And again, I'm going to be, I'm going to constantly be making as many Kirby and paint references here because now the mole man is in, is draped in a pink against a purple backdrop with a yellow floor and blue pillars only again to be contrasted in the next panel wearing an all red garb and his face and glasses are kind of like a light flowery pink and it's just one of those things that it's so eye-popping and it just gives you the message of importance without having to convey it uh and the Mole Man is just giving them his plans, essentially saying, uh, soon the Mole Man will have the entire world in his power. And it doesn't say who, but Reed or Johnny asks, you know, where is this place? How'd you get it? And now the Mole Man goes into a lengthy history lesson about why and who he is and what he does, what he does. And the first three panels of his little origin uh, are just all negative, negative things of any villain origin. It's a girl... Uh, laughing because he asked her out. It's a boss turning him down for a job, a guy calling him ugly. And after just so much rejection, Mole Man states here, it says, finally, I could stand it no longer. I decided to strike out alone to search for a new world, the legendary land at the center of the earth, a world where I could be a king. My travels took me long over the globe. And then just when I had abandoned hope, when my little skiff had been washed ashore here on Monster Isle, I found it. And he starts looking at the cavern, and he's saying he saw his dreamland. His eyes led him there. 
And then he says, but in the dread of silence that of the huge cavern, the sudden shock of my loud outcry caused a violent avalanche. And when it was over, I had somehow miraculously survived the fall. But due to the impact of the crash, I had lost most of my sight. Yes, I had found the center of the earth, but I was stranded here like a human mole. Which is very fitting, obviously, given the name. And he says, that was my last of my misfortunes. My luck began to turn in my favor. I mastered the creatures down here, made them do my bidding. And with their help, I carved an underground empire. So, you know, his rejection from the human world, seeking elsewhere. And he finds his minions, he finds his gold. But it's so ironic that he loses most of his sight. I'm not sure if that's why he commands the minions or if it was just for symbolism with the the mole thing, but it really gives depth to his character, especially if you're looking at the artwork and you can see what he looks like. So reading Johnny wastes no time after hearing this origin story before they try to fight the mole man, and the mole man evades him, and he points to a map and says that he's dug out a tunnel from his caverns through every major city uh, on the in the world, I think. It says... Uh, and how he's going to build, take every atomic plant and find the, the Earth's power and his creatures will attack and destroy everything that lives above the surface. And he says, it just takes my signal and he, it gets my moles moving. And now the thing comes in trying to fight and he says, it's too late, the die is cast. But when hearing the mole signal, the largest and most deadly of his underground creatures uh, ponderously raises itself into the room its brainless rage directed at the four astonished humans. And then the Fantastic Four fly into blazing action. And here we get the iconic, um, you know, the flame. There is no flame on, but he burns his suit off, launches into the sky with the thing looking. And this is like an iconic human torch scene where it's back and forth. He's buzzing around the monster's head like a hornet. Uh, and he's flying, just being the human torch. And as the gigantic creature vainly tries to grasp his fiery foe, uh, Reed reaches out, grabs the mole man with one of his long, long, elongated arms, and the team just fights like a well-oiled machine. You had the human torch as a distraction, Reed kind of at the forefront of it all, and leading up to it was the Thing and Sue fighting side by side. And as he's grabbing the mole man, behind them they see about uh, eight of the mole man's underground creatures starting to rush them. And going back to it, you have deep reds, dark greens, oranges, and browns. And that panel in, just pops entirely. Um, they didn't expect these underground gargoyles to come after them. But then it states here that, that neither of them were expecting the Human Torch either. Uh, there's a caption here that says, They hadn't counted on the unbelievable power of the Human Torch. Flying between his fantastic allies and the pursuing horde, he blazes a fiery swath which melts the soft earth. And from flying un- underground, he lets them know that uh, it's uh, softening the, the soil, causing a rock slide. They escape the cave. The rock slide stops the monsters. They hop in the jet, and they fly back home. And uh, <laughs> they're flying, and someone asks, you know, where is the mole man? And it doesn't show who, but it says, I left him behind. He'll never trouble anyone again. They left him there. Classic move. And... Uh, with his underground, which I mean, I want to say was a morality thing. They left him with all he knew, all he had, which wasn't like killing him, which wasn't imprisoning him, but it still was like a good thing to do. And this final scene somehow shows Monster Isle exploding as the Fantastic Four jet flies away. And it says he's destroyed the entire island himself. Uh, He sealed himself below forever. 
And Reed says, it's the best way. And Sue says, and that, hopefully that was the last of them. And we end this issue right here with a little caption that says, but whether we've seen the last of the Mole Man or not, we will see much more of the most amazing quartet in history. The next great issue of The Fantastic Four. Don't miss it. Now, this is such a great introductory issue. I could only imagine how exciting it was back then to have like a truly sci-fi-ish comic. Mind you, I'm, I mean, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this knows the history of comics with war comics and all these, you know, they just pumped them out, as many as they could. But this was like a real staple in comics. It was Marvel's first family. And I believe it was the first comic book under the Marvel Comics name. And I'm just really excited to get going with this podcast. Eventually, I hope to lead up all the way to the Fantastic Four stories. That got me excited. And that got me pumped up enough to do a podcast about Marvel's first family. Uh, Throughout the course of this podcast, I hope to have friends, uh, guests, and just anyone who is willing to talk to me about the, the Fantastic Four. As I'm doing this as an accountability for me reading the entire series from issue one, but I'm also doing this because I love the comics. And yeah, just thank you for listening, and uh, I hope you come back for the next one. Thanks.